Welcome to the Standing Out in Ohio podcast, where we discuss topics, upcoming events, news, and predictions with real estate professionals and entrepreneurs. Listen and learn what makes their companies and themselves stand out and gain advantages over the competition and gain market share. Subscribe for the latest news and discussion on what it takes to stand out from the crowd. Now, here's your host, Jim. Now, if you haven't heard about Anchor, it is a very easy way to make a podcast. There's a couple of different reasons for it being so easy and simple and great to use. Is It's free. They have creation tools to let you edit and, and record your podcast straight from your phone or your computer. They will also distribute the podcast to you for like on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many other places. And you can also make a little bit of money with it as well without a minimum uh, amount of listenership for you to have and it's everything you need in one spot very simple to use check it out go to anchor.fm that is a-n-c-h-o-r.fm thank you check it out hello everybody thanks for listening uh, be certain to uh, subscribe and follow our podcast and if you ever have a topic or a question please tell us about it and if you want to be a guest let us know as well this week we are talking to nathan price uh, welcome, Nathan. Hey, thanks for having me. It's a pleasure to be on the show. Glad you're here. Glad you're here. So t- tell us a little bit about yourself. Okay. What do, what do you do? Yeah, so I'm actually a realtor with uh, the Millennium Group at Keller Williams Capital Partners in Worthington. Um, I'm one of the buyer's agents on the team, so I have the fun part of showing clients homes. So that is my, uh, that's my little niche right now. Oh, nice, nice. Now, what did you do you know, before you became an agent? Yeah, so in my past life, I worked for a discount tire company, actually, for 11 years uh, in management. Um, And one of the fun parts there was uh, I didn't realize how much networking I was doing with other shops and stuff. But, um, yeah, that was a nice challenge to retail for 11 years. And then um, I dabbled a little bit in investing before I actually took the the leap and went uh, full-time as a realtor. Cool. Now, discount tires. What store were you were you at? They bounce you around a lot. So I was uh, at the Polaris store for several years. Um, I'd been at the Salma Road store. I really I got to bounce around at different parts of the city, and uh, it was nice because you have all different types of clients that come around. So I got a lot of experience uh, just working with tons of different people, all kind of walks of life, basically. So. Okay. Okay. Do we use the one in uh, Marysville? Okay. And they've always treated, treated me and the wife and the kids right, always. So, right. yeah, just down. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I, I like them. Yeah, so that was what I did uh, previously. So um, it was good. I, I realized that uh, I really liked the team environment, but I really wanted to do something that was, uh, like, I liked the aspect of uh, commission only. I know it sounds kind of, it's the scary part of uh, making a career change, but being able to uh, reap the benefits of, the extra hard work that you do, yeah, uh, it was yeah. something that uh, that's what intrigued me. That's what made me want to want to make the change. So, yeah, commission only definitely scares a lot of people. <laughs> yes. I mean, they, they they everybody wants. I mean, it's nice to have some kind some kind of security net, and yeah. everybody likes that. But you you, I mean, for what I know, you have the work ethic. That your work ethic is your safety net because you're like you're you're going to make it make things work because you got that ethic. Yeah, I think. Uh, I think not being scared. I mean, you, you always want to. You always have that little bit of uh, fear when you first do it. Um, I realized that 
when I had, uh, you know, one foot in, one foot out of being in real estate, I still had a, I still had a job. I was working full time when I first started. Um, you actually take away a lot of your opportunities when you are not fully committed. So you are able to, uh, you're actually able to do a lot more than you think you can. And so for anyone that's on the fence about going real estate full time, I will tell, I will tell anyone that it was worth the risk. And, uh, you know, I think you, you will surprise yourself at how well and how much you can do if you just, uh, if you go a hundred percent into it. Okay. So, now when you first started real estate, you, you were working another job. Yeah. So how was, how was that? <laughs> I know, I know a little bit of the story, but yeah. Yeah, share it with everybody else. So transitioning into real estate for me was, um, to be able to take the classes and actually put forth the effort to get everything done that I needed to do, uh, I actually took a night shift position and worked that for two and a half years uh, while I built up my uh, my real estate gig. So, okay. Yeah, I was working nights and then I would... Uh, what, like 11 to 7? Uh, we would work 12. So I'd work from 7 p.m. to 7 a.m. Oh. And, uh, okay. and then... I'd come home, take care of my dogs, and then I would turn and go to the office in Worthington, and then I would do that for uh, as much as I could. Okay. And then if you sprinkle some clients in there, you can imagine how it gets a little, uh, it gets a little dicey with like you know, <laughs> being sleep deprived. Yeah. How much sleep were you getting? Ah, uh, not a lot. Not a lot. So, some days, some days none. Uh, okay. And then, but actually, what, one thing we talked about that helped me a lot was uh, that little sleep sleep app, like the little nap. Uh, the thing that helps you sleep for 15, 20 minutes at a time. A power nap. Power nap. Oh my gosh. That was a lifesaver. Uh, I actually would, if I could find, you know, 15, 20 minutes to take a nap in between activities, that was huge. Um, I, it does not replace good sleep, but it was definitely, uh, it was definitely a uh, godsend basically to be able to do that in between the busyness. So. Yeah. Yeah. Glad, glad that thing helped. That thing is amazing. Yeah. It really is. So any like like past mistakes, learning experiences that you think help you currently? A lot, actually. Um, I will be the first to share my uh, failures with people because a lot of the times when you... I think people get discouraged by failure a lot, and it's especially yeah. when you're doing something where you, you do have... Like, for instance, I had the other job. Um, with the failures that I did have early on in my... Uh, real estate adventure, it would have been easy to just quit and then just stay full time at my job and see where I could go with that. But um, really, those failures they show you what you don't want to have happen again. Those feelings you get when you fail, um, it's like you know putting your hand on a hot pan. You know not to touch that hot pan again. Yeah, <laughs> doesn't mean you're never going to cook again. But so one of the things that uh, that I would say some of my failures were is. Um, but some of my investment properties. So I actually had two investment properties before I became a full-time realtor. Okay. Um, and we ended up, um, my partner and I had a condo out on the east side. And it was a, we weren't making any money, weren't losing any money. It was just kind of sitting there. And uh, we decided that for our model, we didn't, that didn't really fit as well as we thought. So we sold it. Um, and then um, through, you know, just different opportunities we were looking at, I, purchased the second rental property um, that I was actually living in while I was kind of house hacking is the term people usually use for it, where you live in it and fix it up. And that was the second investment property I had. And uh, I wouldn't call that one, like they, neither one was really a failure because we learned something from it and kind of fail forward. Um, I really wanted to add those to like a portfolio and have it forever. Sure. Um, 
but one of the, you know I did learn some good lessons while we did that, and um, you know it was about two I was about two and a half years we between both properties that we had them, and then uh, we decided it was a good time to hit the reset button, and we sold them, and uh, I'm we're restructuring the way we're going to invest, and I think that's the big thing too is just kind of like in anything you um, any failures you have, it's really not like okay stop there that's you know don't ever do this again yeah. It just kind of like you you know that okay when I experience this again I'm not going to do it that way. Yeah. Well, that probably gives you a good perspective for whenever you work with investors, yes. they, they're going to do something. No, no, no. We got to whatever the situation was. Mm-hmm. You got to like, all right. We got to look this math. Yeah. Figure this out. Um, and I always looked at like mistakes and screw ups that cost you money as tuition. Yeah. There you go. There's nobody. I mean, you don't like paying tuition, but you're you're kind of you're okay with paying tuition to learn things. Mm-hmm. It's the same thing when you screw up and you have to pay some money or you don't make as much money as you like. It's tuition. Just yep. reframe it and it's like it's more uh, palpable. Yeah. I think going on that too, it, I think sharing your failures is a good is a good lesson. It's a good activity because what you might think is this major setback, someone else has had that failure. Someone else out there has probably already experienced that. I don't think that people have these unique you know, it's not exclusively a problem that you're experiencing. Someone else <laughs> has had that happen before. Yeah. And uh, I think when you stay positive about it's hard to stay positive when you're in the middle of the mistake or whatever you're making. You, it's like watching a train wreck in slow motion. You're, you're in the middle of it. Yeah. But I think when you can share and you have a good support system around you, um, sharing in your failures too, you get perspective from other people on what they've done. And I think as you become more successful too, it's not like you don't avoid failures. You don't avoid problems you just have bigger problems that require bigger solutions and when you give up at the first sign of adversity i think that's that's what makes you better in your business is you're going to you're actually going to always have failures and setbacks and you just have to kind of you know just bear it on face first and get it you know, get after it and find a solution and just always be solution based with your thinking and try not to think about Good. the problem but think about the different solutions you can find yeah do you do you belong to a mastermind group no. Ever been to one? No. You talk about sharing uh, problems because other people, so, somebody you know has had the same problem or something very similar, and they go, oh, well, you, just, you do this instead, or they tell you how they solved it. Mastermind groups, a lot of that, that goes on a lot. Yeah. You're I, you know, contemplating something, and, and you'll have like three people go, no, 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 I tried that, and it failed because of this. However, we thought about changing this part, and it would have worked better. So a lot of what you're saying is very similar to Mastermind Group. You know, I, I think going on that too, um, I've been uh, I've been listening to a lot of Audible books, <laughs> doing a lot of. I like, love Audible. Oh my gosh, I think uh, one of the good things that I like listening to some of those books is uh, there's a there's a lot of books that have life lessons in them too, and they're not uh, you know like we were talking about too. Some of the things that you know you don't necessarily have to belong to like a real estate mastermind group. Any mastermind group that's like of a you know a sales industry or just a people industry, um, you know I'm reading the uh, the uh, the book on Robert Iger, the Disney uh, Walt Disney executive right now. The book's amazing and it's talking about the problems he's having to face, and you kind of hear him and you're like, oh, that's a big executive CEO problem. But I mean, honestly, if you're building, if you want to have a million dollar business, we've talked about this at our, our team um, meetings and stuff, is that when you want to build a million dollar business you got to start thinking in terms of that million dollar business now before you get to that point so when we were talking earlier systems you know having the right systems in place and i feel like that 
You're going to make mistakes while you're building your systems, and they're not correct. Per- yeah. Oh, yeah. But you got to try, you know? So You have to, and you, sometimes you make the systems up as you go along. Yeah, because like, of a like, mistake. Yeah, because of a mistake. Well, like for the, for the office, we had somebody in here working, and she didn't know how to do something. Like We never thought about turning that into a system or having a paper handy to show them, here, here's the actual steps to do this. Because for us, we did it all the time. It was just muscle memory. Yeah, just, yeah, yeah, like muscle memory. You just, you just do it. You don't know how to explain how you did it, but you do it anyway. So, yeah, every little thing is a system. Something that, something that we do is every time we have like a question that pops up on the, the home inspection report, we will change the word in the report or we built something to end. That way that question is, is answered up front or, or never, or they, they figure it out while they're reading the yes. report or whatever. So. It's, I love, comes up three times, you got to fix it. I'll, I'll brag about your system too. Is that I love when I when I open your uh, report outs after the home inspection's done. I love that the first couple lines are saying, you know, this is not um, saying that everything needs to be fixed. Like all houses have little imperfections and stuff. And, oh yes, you know, and it kind of if if I'm with a client and I just read that first part that you already have set out. You know, we do talk about it in our consultations um, at the office before I even look at houses with people. But nice, throughout nice. the process, you forget that stuff. And, you know, yeah. I think even when um, when you, like, if you were to have to personally hand, like, uh, go over these reports with every single client, you might, you do it so much, you might forget to mention that part. So having it just written down at the top, you almost read it like a script when you um, talk with your clients. And it just, it kind of, like... It kind of sets some of the people like some of the tensions that people have when they read over the inspection reports, and it it does kind of have like a calming effect, knowing like, all yes. right, it's not going to be perfect, but yeah. So you do that every client. You sit down and, and go with them like expectation what they'll come yeah. up on the report. Good. Yeah. Do you guys have like a like a report example that you show them? I well, so I actually had uh, I had you guys do my pre inspection on my house out uh, in Whitehall, the, okay. one of the last house I sold. So I actually had a pre-inspection done, and that's just in my email. So when I when I do show clients, I'm like, hey, check out. This is what this will look like when you get it in your email. And then I'll run through my personal report that I had, and it kind of shows them what to expect. And very nice. Very nice. Yeah, similarly, though, I don't expect them to remember it by the time we get that report back you know, throughout yeah. the transaction, but it's nice to have that a reference. And that way I'm showing them my personal property that, you know, it's I like you guys. I use you guys all the time. It definitely so, shows yeah. them trust. Like, yeah. Wait, yeah, because... Real estate agents, you guys see reports all the time. Yeah. You walk into houses constantly. A home buyer, they maybe once every seven, eight years may see a home inspection report. Yeah. They may have never seen one at all. Yeah. Or so when they see a report, yeah. yeah. So when they see a report, it's like, oh, there's like all these pages, all these yeah. stuff. I'm like, there's 140 items on here. We're like, well, there's not. <laughs> there's, not really. It's, no, because like the first six were that little, that. The, the yes. spiel we were just talking about. So and these here are pictures showing that your furnace is working right. Yeah, it's a lot of great your AC's stuff working here. right. Your water is working correctly. Yeah, a lot of it's, a lot of it's positive stuff. So yep. it's not the number. Right, right. So and yeah, I, prepping that's good. That's the system. Yeah, and you guys have that system. You probably get a little better. Yeah, um, close ratio. Oh, it's it's you don't know, I mean, avoid it's great. people freaking out. Yeah, and it, I don't think you're gonna ever avoid people. I mean, even if you have the most savvy client, I think seeing some of the things pop up, you know, you do see some things for the first time. Like, you know, if you, if they see that there's, um, like, I, one of the ones that always pops up is I feel like in the basement, right by where the front porch is, those uh, 
the runners underneath there, the wood, you'll see some dampness or something like that. Yes. It comes up. It might just be a rotten board outside, the kick plate or whatever. Yep. And it pops up and people, their minds go every which direction. Is it mold? Is the foundation bad? What's happening? What's happening? It's like, <laughs> hold on. I was like, yep. let's just... <laughs> and then I think the other thing, too, is um, it's kind of breaking it down into big sections. Like, hey, we're going to focus on these big areas of the inspection um, and and kind of prep them for that. So uh, you can kind of keep this... You can kind of keep um, your focus centered on those big items and then kind of work through it. And that way, if it's, you know, say, these, these are the big items we're going to worry about. Um, and then if we see something that's not in these big areas that we're talking about right now, we probably don't need to worry about it. So if they see, like, the con- nice. the the sidewalk walking up is cracked and not level and it's dangerous, you know, we say, okay, is that in one of the areas we talked about? Nope. All right, so we're going to skip that. We're not going to ask for that in a, in a remedy that's, request. That's something to take care of down the road that's, after you buy it. Yep. That's your that's your project. That's yes. your, we talked about this, and so I think it's nice you can bring you can bring people back and focus on the most important things and kind of some of that noise that pops up in an inspection. You can kind of help rest their mind at ease about it too. Yeah. So good, good. Yes, yeah, that's, that's definitely a system that you have built in to help keep people from freaking out over <laughs> little things. Yeah, and there's never a perfect house, so that's good. So any any other like struggles or, or systems that you guys are have, are creating or wanting to create because some something that pops up. Um, I think for for specifically, I think in your like lead generation and um, you know just making sure you're keeping up with um, actually talking to your clients and, and contacts and people you've met. Um, really, for any realtor, your your database is your lifeline, and so just finding out how to like meaningfully talk to your past clients and people and friends and okay. family and and referral partners too. Um, I think it is a it's a really good thing to even just call some of your lenders sometimes just like check in see if there's something that they need help with or just remind them that like hey I've got some tall goals right now and uh, just you know staying top of mind for even like the people that you know do reach out to you a lot it is nice to call them sometimes and beat and cut them off at the pass and talk to them first and yeah um, it's nice like really working out of the CRM and making sure that you're um, talking to people and not just calling to ask for business. Just calling cool. a genuine, yeah. genuine like, hey, did you see how did you see the interest rates lately? You know, I know we bought your you bought your house four or five years ago. Um, yeah, actually, we got a few phone calls about that or whatever. But I think just uh, staying staying in touch with the people in your sphere and and letting them know that you do care about them, not just for the transaction or asking for business every time you call. You know, I I, <laughs> I wanted to call people about you know, hey, it's uh, we're getting close to winter time. Might want to go check your tires, and then they're like, "Aren't you doing houses now?" It's like, "Yeah, but you might want to go check them because uh, you know the snow's coming or whatever." Just so that shows that you care. Yeah, that's that's, that's I, missing from a lot of just business in general. Yeah, they don't they don't care. I think one thing too is kind of being an advisor for people. Um, not just you know, not just I'm not just a realtor. I'm I, I do work with contractors. I have a past life that I was part of. You know, I. I have interior decorators I meet along the way. You know, I've met all these other people in my life, and and I'm in the networking business, so yes. I I have tons of people that I can refer to, and I think uh, just letting people know that they have access to your sphere also, and you can be that resource and that trusted that trusted person for people to turn to is something good to just remind people that you are, you know, not just uh, not just someone to open doors and sell houses for them, but you know, you actually have a lot of a lot of good you can bring to them. So yep. Now, are we talking about you said something a little bigger that 
made me think of something. We had we have some agents, uh-huh. and just by talking to them, you just know all they want is the, the, that sale. They call it commission breath. Commission breath. Commission yes. breath. Yeah. And, and that's so detectable. Yeah. But that's, some, but something we've noticed over the years that the, the agents that have that commission breath, and all, they, they just care just the sale. They don't care about the people themselves. They seem to do about the same level of business every single year. Mm-hmm. Instead of having like, they play that short-term game. Instead of looking long-term going, you know what, this house may not be best for them. I'm going to talk them out of it if, if I need to because yeah. it's not a good fit for them. Yeah. And I and the, the good agents know that they may not sell them this house. It'll be the next house. However, that person's going to appreciate them and then send referrals. So the good agents get busier and busier and busier as time goes on. Yeah. Well, the commission breath one, just yeah, I think, stay the same or go down. Yeah, you know what else is, here's a here's a weird thought. So let's say, I like you know, thoughts. I'm, I'm working, yeah, me too. <laughs> so I'm working with a buyer and they talk about, you know, their budget. They've got a really tight budget and they don't have a lot of cash they can bring to the table, which is, I mean, there's tons of programs that out happens, there. That happens, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, Nothing wrong with that. Um, you know, going into spring, they want to look in the springtime. Like right when, Everybody else is looking for houses. Mm, competition. So, yeah. And let's say their budget's not as high. So they're in that really competitive sector, like that really, like, let's say $150,000. Anywhere in Columbus, that's going to be super competitive. Yes. So one thing that I think people don't, it doesn't dawn on them right away is that, you know, advising your client not to buy is also probably just as powerful as telling them when to buy the correct time. And, you know, if you know that they'll have a better advantage shopping in the fall or winter advising them in that way and you know if they want to keep looking in the springtime you tell them they can it's just to avoid to avoid having that heartache and you know going into multiple offer situations on every single house you buy you know you're you're putting offers in on i think that's as much of a service to your clients as you know telling them all right well Let's go out and just see what happens. I mean, they're going to really feel like you're just trying to get a sale out of them. And it's going to end up wearing them out. It's going to wear you out. And I think that if they're okay waiting till the fall or winter of next year, and that's going to be a value to them, that would be something that I would talk to them. And you know, don't yeah. you don't have to steer them to buy right now. You're an advisor. So you do need to advise clients on what their best options are. And, and some people will still want to try to go now and... Sure. They might have to put a few offers in and not get them to kind of see that, you know, maybe we should wait. But um, as long as you're giving them good advice, I think that's the other thing, too, is like showing them you care and you have that expertise of like knowing your market. Yeah. So. Well, here's another, another thought. You know, you talk about work with them over the length of time. If they tell people they're looking for a house and they go, oh, you got an agent. Like, yeah, they give your name out for the three months they're looking yeah. or go, yeah, we got an agent. He's. Tell us we'll get better deals at this point in time. He's, he's not pushing he's, us to buy. He's right not pushing. Now. We will have that that whole time you're working with them. They're marketing you to their their little their yeah. sphere of influence as well. So that that's another thing. But yeah. we've had buyers tell us that hey, they, this age is really trying to push me into buying this place, and I I don't think it's right. And well, you, 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 they're looking yeah. for anything wrong because they won't get out of it. Yep. The agent talk. We've had one. The agent talk me into the signing the, the agreement. Or that. Yeah. I think one of the things too is I I will tell my clients that I can be there at the inspection, but it is a chance for the agent to step out of the process and let my client work with the inspector one-on-one and have the agent out of the, I'm, I'm not even going to be there. 
And it's not that I don't want to be there. It's just that it's their chance to have this um, this noise taken out of the. They can talk to you directly because you're they're your client also, and it is a chance for them to ask questions and get your direct feedback on you know because they can go to the inspection and and really get that uh, unabridged version of what's happening. Oh yes, you know if they see something and it worries them, they can talk to you directly without me hovering around me like oh yeah you, you don't have to worry about that. And I wouldn't say that, obviously, but at the same time, it's like, what if what if they're afraid to ask a question because I'm standing right there? You know, I have friends that I've helped out, and I feel like if it was a house that I brought them or showed them or was on their search, I don't want them to feel obligated to buy that house either. And I feel like come, me, yes, you know, they don't want that. me showing up to the inspection sometimes it, it can uh, it can add a level of pressure, you know. And some people absolutely want me to be there, and and I'll be there for those. But when I get a chance to have them be able to ask you questions directly, I feel like it adds that adds value too. Yep. And then we'll go over the inspection together afterwards. Um, and when I get all the pictures and stuff, it's like I'm there, you know, because yep. you guys are so thorough with the uh, with all the items that you put on there that it's, you know. Um, so, yeah, that's just another thing I think adds value for the process. Good. Yeah, I know most, all of our guys, I think a lot of inspectors do, um, like it when the buyer, the client is there. Because we can point something out to them and then they go, oh, it's it's only that big. It's yeah. not it's not a real big deal because sometimes the, well because they're scared, a little nervous. Yep. Sometimes they blow the issue up in their mind. So it's yep. nice to have them there to, to see things. But I also yep. like when the agents show up for at least a little bit in the beginning, maybe. Yeah. Makes especially the, you know a nervous client. Yeah. To make sure everything got, we got in all right because the access code was correct. We got in or not. Yeah. Um, and introduction and the client feels good. They know that you cared enough to make sure they got started. And then take off and then agents can do you know something productive for themselves yeah well i can start doing that then because if that sounds like the way that works best i'll i'll change it up i'll start doing that each time yeah i mean it's yeah i I think it's nice i mean some some people may not care some buyers don't show up yeah um some of them are showing up like an hour or so into the inspection they're starting to show up yeah i've had a few clients that just they were so confident they were just like well I'll read the report. It's like, okay. Yeah. <laughs> if something pops up, though, you know, it's just this is a good time to be there. But, yeah, I've had some people just be lackadaisical about it. And be like, oh, that's fine. I'll, I'll read the report. It's all good. So different personality types, yes. definitely. Yep, definitely. Now, um, Ohio recently is, is working toward finishing up their licensing for home inspectors. Yes. How? What are your thoughts on that? Uh, well, I... It's supposed to start in April now. Yeah, April I heard it got pushed back because they didn't have a they didn't have a firm resolution in place, right? So it got bumped back. They, they're not quite certain how they're gonna. They don't have the standards that they're gonna use, and they don't have. Um, they don't know how they're gonna license the new home inspectors. Mm, the ones okay. that, are, that have been expecting for a while, they're all grandfathered, or they could have been all grandfathered in. Yeah, but they don't know how they're gonna do the new ones. So that's something they're like they don't have to do. So they're gonna wait till April. But yeah. yeah, what do you think about the licensing? Well, I, my thought about that is, um, you know, for me personally, is build your referral network for who I'm going to be using ahead of time. So, like, you, I use you guys. I'll, I will option. I'll give everyone the options, but I do share my experiences with you. And most of the time, my clients do pick you out of just showing them my past inspections and stuff. So, Appreciate I would, yeah, absolutely. And I think one of the big things too is making sure that you're you have your referral partners are the quality people that you're referring to. And I would say that for anybody that's, um, when, when you're working with your clients, you want something that's going to represent you the best. And going back to my retail days, 
you know, I worked at a I worked at a company that exclusively did tires, so it was the only thing they did. So when it came to referring out alignments or other things, you know, we had to I had to have good partners to send people with that, especially if it's like, you know, just a one of your repeat customers they need something that's outside of the scope of what you do. You don't wanna like research and pick a person and send one of your great clients out to go test the waters with somebody. No. You know, and same thing with your inspectors. Do I a little think. research. Yeah, do a little research and then maybe interview the people you're going to use, like your inspectors, before you even work with one client. It's coffee. We had coffee before. Yes. Yeah, yeah, we had coffee early yes, we on. we did. Um, and I think that is one of the biggest takeaways is that I wouldn't, I wouldn't want to use an inspector that maybe wasn't licensed or something or wasn't someone I had rapport with already um, and I would just say that for anybody, like just have coffee with the with the company you're gonna, and if they can make time, introduce you and, and answer some of your questions, uh, that's how I would approach that. I, you know, I would only want to work with someone that I know is qualified to be handling my clients. So. Know the personality a little bit. That's kind of how we uh, found all of our inspectors. I'd watch them while they're at work. Another previous careers that they had, I would watch them. One person I watched over a year. Yeah. Because I thought he was too young, yeah. but but he was he just looked really too young. He looks <laughs> looks very young. But I would watch them and see how they interact and go. All right, they they're good personality. They're like like food servers. They're hustling, moving around. Yeah, you know they're they're working hard because they know what they get is especially food server. Uh, their tips are based upon how well they serve. Yeah. So they already have a service mentality. They're not lazy because they're moving around pretty quick. Food servers are great. I think for like home inspectors. Real estate agents, yeah, I think they'd be good. Good, they just kind of watch them and go, yeah, yeah, because and, and plus they don't know they're being watched or interviewed, right? So you know, because anybody, my background is psychology, okay, um, but anyway, anybody can act normal and sane and, and be the person you want them to be for a little bit, mm-hmm. but when they don't know they're being watched, that's you're more likely to get the, the true person there. So yeah, yeah that's my my little tip: spy yeah. on people and see, yeah. yep, that's that's the person I want to hire. Yeah, and I think people that work with the public, work with the general public, and they've done it for a while, like being in, in retail, um, you will have people walk in that are having a terrible day, and they're going to unload on you sometimes, and it feels like you're a punching bag, but it's kind of like, they're not really mad at you if they're, you know, sometimes they are, but so, yeah. sometimes they are, but if they walk in and they're just, you know, really just lacing into you and, and really just being negative and mean and like, just being hurtful... Sometimes you gotta just you gotta step back and like think about it. Like think about what's happening. Step back and say, okay, is this person like really attacking me, or are they just having a bad day? And I think kind of coming back at them with kindness, not to be like a jerk. Don't be sarcastic, but it's like yeah, yeah empathy. Like have empathy that they're probably having a bad day. Working at a tire shop, people would have a flat. They were on the side of the road. They were probably late to work. They might have spilled their coffee when they hit that pothole or whatever. And then they're coming into a tire shop where they're expecting someone to charge them all this money to fix their problem. And, yeah, they're going to be a little heated. So I think when, when you work with empathy in that aspect, um, and like a server, they're probably really busy. And if, if, you're, if you can give them quality, fast service, be honest, truthful, like, you know, if something does happen to ruin their meal, just step up, admit to it, try to show them that you want them to come back again and, like, earn their business again. And, yep. I think when you put the customer the customer experience first and you know find a way to make that negative try to try to make them have a good day when they leave make it so they're like wow I came in here really pissed off and like now I'm I feel great I feel great I had a flat tire I would have people like leave 
feeling better because you fix their problem. You're listening to them, you know, and um, that's just just listening to people and listening to their problems. Sometimes is all they really want, you know. Yes. Oh, yeah, definitely. We we had. This, I, I don't know. I told the story before. One of our guys uh, showed up early to a house to do an inspection. Vacant house. His his other inspection got done earlier, got canceled, rescheduled. So anyway, he showed up like an hour early to do this house. Did the house. The buyer comes over. She was extremely upset because she somehow she felt cheated that, mm. that she didn't get all that time. So what I went back later on and said, did the parts that she wasn't there for. Okay. And... Pretty much confirmed every single thing that was in the report. Really, nothing was changed, and she was a completely different personality just from the extra attention and time. And that's what it was. She wanted time. Tell the uh, tell the cinnamon roll story. Which what was that? The cinnamon roll story. Oh, the cinnamon roll. Yeah, okay. I that's did. a great story. Yeah, I did an inspection for this lady. It was, I don't know, five years, six years ago. Did an inspection for it, and, and somehow during the conversation, she... She worked nights. I think she was a nurse. I'm not positive. She worked nights. So she was going to get off work and come straight to the home inspection when the thing started at 8 in the morning. She wasn't going to have, have time to eat. Somehow during the conversation, I knew that she liked cinnamon rolls, I think. So so on the way to the inspection, I bought cinnamon rolls and brought them to her. And she remembered that. Yeah. Because I, I brought her you know, cinnamon rolls. I'm like two bucks, three bucks. Not, mm-hmm. not expensive. So I brought those to her. They were fresh though. They were. Good. They were. Yeah. They were good. They were good. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, so back six years later, she could not remember the company name, but she was searching everywhere, like trying to find find us. She did find us, but it was because of the cinnamon roll that she wanted to use just me to do the inspection, yeah. actually. And as a result of that, we did her inspection. I brought her cinnamon rolls again. Yeah. Because because she told she called my wife the the. When she's making an appointment, and she told Lord how much she'd been searching for us to find these cinnamon rolls. Well, find us. <laughs> yeah. From because we had the cinnamon rolls that made a real good memory with her. So I brought her cinnamon rolls this time again, just because Laura told me that's who she was. I'm like, oh, okay. Yeah. And there's you know, just a little thing like that. And yeah. then the agent that she, that was her agent, had never heard of us. So we picked up a new agent because mm-hmm. it's because through that client we bought a new got a new agent we, because of cinnamon rolls. So I, was, I brought her two cinnamon rolls six you know, about six years ago. Yeah. So a little thing, little little details. Yeah. I think that was I I heard that story in Bold uh, when you were sponsoring Bold in the spring. You told that story. Oh, did okay, okay. It's resonated with me ever since then, and uh, you know, I just think about how um, we are directly able to influence people's. Uh, attitude in life and and positively, um, just as as much as we can negatively too. But I think when you go the extra mile sometimes, and it doesn't have to be this grand gesture, this expensive thing. It was on your way to the appointment. You picked up some cinnamon rolls because you knew that she was working nights and she liked cinnamon rolls, and it went miles. Like that's that was like something you got some mileage out of the cinnamon rolls, basically. Oh yeah, and you yeah. didn't do it for that reason. You no. didn't do it for that reason. No. You did it to be a good person and just be nice, and it was who you are. I didn't want her starving during the inspection. That's it. So that and was it. I think that's, you know, just be kind to humans. Like, just be nice to people, and it goes <laughs> so far. Um, if you make a mistake, be quick to, be quick. Don't don't uh, defend yourself and, you know, make excuses. Just fess up to what just happened. You made a yeah. mistake. And usually just acknowledging that you made a mistake is the first thing. That's almost like a diffuser. 
like, hey, you know, you can just make you can make a positive thing out of like the cinnamon rolls, and it can almost become a positive thing, admitting that you made a mistake and addressing it right away, and then moving on. And and sometimes just that brutal honesty that you made a mistake, people are like, yeah, uh, we actually start off on the wrong foot because this happened, but um, they they accept they owned up to the problem, they they got a solution right away. And we fixed it and moved on, and the, the rest of the transaction was success, you know? And I think anything in life is like that, too, not just home inspections and real estate transactions. Proper behavior, how, be, how be you good treat people. people. Yep. Yeah. It, it does pay off in the long run. Yeah. Like, well, positivity always wins. Yep. I love having those little, just little signage around. I know that sometimes, uh, sometimes there's some real cheesy ones out there, but I mean, those are the ones you remember the most. I feel like. <laughs> yes. Yep. Yeah, but I, it is good just to remind yourself to be uh, be positive and be a good person. Well, I want to I say you you've been doing real estate for seven months, approximately. Right? Is that about right? Been, been on the team for seven months. Has been uh, licensed for a year now. So, okay. Okay. Yeah. Okay. But just this year already, it's only been seven months this year, you've had, what well, was the team, like 20 transactions? Right, 20 right about there. Yeah. That's, that's good. That's, yeah. that's good for, for not being in the business all that long. Yeah. So, because what is the average? About six a year? Six or seven is what I should know the does. average. I don't, I don't know it right off the top of my head, but yeah, maybe. I know that there's like 8,300 realtors in Columbus and uh, their production is kind of all over the place. But, sure. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean that, that that's quite a few for in such a short amount of time. Are you getting? You, I don't know if you are yet or not. You will be soon because you take good care of your client. You're probably getting referrals from past clients yeah. to their friends and things. That's why it's <laughs> going to start snowballing for you. Yeah, I've gotten a few already. So. Are you already? Nice. Yeah, nice. So that's nice. Uh, and same thing. Just like people know that's like you know being genuine and being nice and honestly telling people you actually do real estate now. I think. Uh, sometimes people feel like they're bragging or something like that, but if you just make making small talk with people, like, oh yeah, I'm a I'm a realtor now, um, I think that too is just sometimes people don't realize you made a career change. You know, they don't. Yeah, and <laughs> I think not trying to talk. I, I think when you're in the business too, you like talking about real estate, but then you realize a lot of other people like talking about real estate too. So just uh, I think. That's how I've actually um, met some of my clients too. Is just uh, going to meetups and things and talking about real estate, and they're like, "Oh, I'm I'm actually thinking about buying a house." You're like, "Oh, nice." nice. Well, let's talk. Yeah. I think some agents they're kind of undercover agents. They don't tell everybody what they do. You don't want to be an undercover agent. <laughs> no, you're no. A real estate agent. You, everybody lives in houses or has been in a house, so it's a common yep. theme to tell everybody about. Yeah. You know, and I've I've actually found a few clients that they're not ready to buy yet, but they needed help finding a rental. I found a few rentals this year too. So, like, oh, nice. Okay, yeah, had, so you can help with that too. Yeah, and and they were referrals actually. Like some of them were, um, they were just like they heard, or someone from outside of the state. Like um, my cousin is actually in Texas, and she's a Keller Williams agent, and she's um, sent me a few referrals. And some were rental clients, but they're relocating. But eventually, they'll probably need to buy a house too. And if if Correct. they move out and don't use me, that's that's okay too. Like. But um, just having the opportunity to get in front of people and, and uh, you know, work hard. And some of the rentals don't actually, you know, sometimes you don't get paid from finding people rentals. And it's as much or sometimes a little bit more work than a regular home buying transaction. But it's still, I get rewarded. It fulfills my soul to help people a lot. And uh, I think that's the other thing, too, is it sometimes can be daunting for people trying to find good home, like housing and they don't want to take all the steps that it takes to actually find a good place to live. 
Like they they might just settle in the first place they find, and then that's when you okay. hear horror stories about people like living in a bad house or had a oh. bad landlord or, and just taking a little extra time and finding someone a good landlord. There's reviews for everybody out there, and uh, just helping streamline the process I found has even been super rewarding for me too. So nice, nice. yeah. So the future, what what, what are your plans? What, any trends you see coming up? New things you're doing to yeah, you know, keep a, top of mind? A, lot, a lot of people talk about the next recession and it's it's approaching and gloom and doom and they put a real negative spin on it but i think if you just do a little bit of research on um what affects like for instance the housing market in a recession um there's some underliers so like the job market the healthiness of the job market like what's that look like in the local aspect and and columbus's job market's healthy like we have very healthy very healthy very healthy we have a very good uh, basis of companies moving into the area from you know we've got the Google Facebook all those things building Amazon. data centers Amazon's here you've got tons of companies moving in the area um, Honda's up, upping their stake too like they're building a lot too out out near Marysville and stuff and uh, they're adding so a lot of um, a lot of the trends and you know I don't have those numbers in front of me specifically it's just this is from you know, dinner talk and having people tell me about what you know what what they do and what their companies are doing. But um, you know, I'm very optimistic within the next one two years. I'm always optimistic about a lot of things, though. Like sometimes it's it almost hurts me how optimistic I am. But <laughs> uh, I'm a positive guy. But basically, in the next two or three years, like I, I don't see why we couldn't have that steady growth. And um, even even though some of the things have been leading that's kind of plateauing out as far as the um, the market's concerned right now. I think that Columbus is not going to see the huge effects of like a recession. So I think it's a healthy time to buy or sell or invest in Columbus. Um, so, and for me personally, like I'd really love to see almost like a doubling effect in my, my business. Um, okay. And I'm, I want to pace that. I want to keep that the lofty goal um, just cause I feel like if I accidentally hit my goal, you know, sometimes that can happen. I don't want to like stop there. <laughs> I feel okay. like you, you want to put those big numbers out and those big goals out there. So that way you keep, you keep driving, you keep pushing towards those goals. And, uh, for me, that's why I set some pretty, pretty high goals for myself, but I'm couldn't be happier. I'm Columbus doing that. I really, I really feel in other markets, it would be a lot more of a challenge and, uh, I'm very very happy about the opportunity of being in the city I love. So. Well, good. well, I understand you're you're doing very well. <laughs> so yeah, good. Only hear good things about you. Yeah, and I, I'm never hungry. I'm never satisfied. That is, I feel like I'm. I hear I hear the praises come in, and I'm. It's you know I I'm just competing against myself basically. So yeah. I don't really look at I don't, I don't really look at some of the other people's production numbers and stuff, and unless it's unless it's brought up in conversation, but um, I just know that I want to keep my goals lofty, and then keep like barreling towards them so yeah yeah good yeah a little bit of improvement every year is ends up over a couple of years like amazing do, yeah do you know about the rule of 72 no tell okay. me about it. rule 72 it's it's an investment thing okay you take a an interest rate divide that into like take the number 72 okay and we'll say we'll say 10 percent. okay 72 divided by 10 is 7.2 so 7.2 is how many years it will take for your money to double at 10%. Mm, okay. So whatever, just take 7.2 divided by interest, and it's, that's doubling. So if you only improved by 10% a year, 
Okay. Seven years now, you're you're doubled what you're doing. Oh, okay. Because of your compound interest. Yeah. But I know you wouldn't sell just for ten percent. <laughs> so, yeah. so yeah. when you like, hey, twenty percent. You're talking about three years, and you've you've doubled everything easily. Oh, okay. I, I don't know the math on that one. But, no, but that's cool. I mean, but, yeah, that's pretty cool. The magic I, of compound interest. Yeah, Com- I lo- compound improvement. Yep, compound improvement. I like that. I I think too, it's really fun to learn about. Uh, little mind tricks and stuff like that to keep yourself on pace and on goal. And um, it's kind of like when you think about there's a saying like how do you eat an elephant and one bite at a time. Yes. And you get these lofty goals. It's literally just gotta you gotta break down this big goal into a bunch of smaller goals and then break that down even more and then you get break that down even more and you get it down to the smallest thing and it's like I need to talk to five people a day to hit my fifty transaction goal or whatever yep. it is. And then you realize that if talking to five people a day is going to get you that many contacts and then that many new clients you're in front of and then that many closings and then that many, you know, working your way up, um, just reverse engineer. Reverse the whole engineer. Thing. Yeah, so nice. that's, that's a really great rule to help with that. I like that. Well, anything else you want, you want to add? Um, I just, uh, when I was talking earlier about kind of building your, your dream team or like building your uh, group of referral partners, like I would just like to say that I'll brag on you a little bit is that if... Um, if more people aren't using you, it's it's their loss for sure. Uh, oh, thanks. Yeah, because it's. I think one of the one of the parts that I love is that I don't need to worry about the inspection piece going wrong because I've had such a wonderful experience with what you and your wife do, and uh, all your inspectors are quality. And I've had well, I've had much. a bunch of different ones, and so okay. um, I have had all my clients talk well about you too, and uh, so yeah, I'll, I'll give you some. I'll, I'll wrap you up a little bit right now because. Uh, yeah, I, I would say that that's made a huge difference in my business, just having the confidence that I don't have to worry about the inspection less stress. Part. Oh, it's so less stress. Real estate is stressful enough for, <laughs> for some people. You can schedule online. You can pay online. You can pick, you can a la carte pick your inspections you want. Like, yes. And then, and then in the inspection report, there you have how-to links on how to fix some of the things that you're saying. So, well, that, that was one of the systems that I, I thought of because we'd have people go, well, I don't understand what you know, asbestos is or whatever. Yeah. Or you know, whatever. So I said, you know what? I want, want to write an article. Here's a link to it, yeah. or to something else. That way, if somebody has a question, they go, oh, they they learn probably more than they need to yeah. about asbestos. Or it could be, we have an article now about uh, conductive cooktops. Yeah, because some people know it because they, hey, my my cooktop's not working. Like, okay, I think you had an inductive one. Do you have like what kind of metal are you using to cook with? And they're like, no idea what to talk about. So yeah. they put a cast iron on there. Heats up like a charm, yeah. Because there's a little different animal, so yeah. That was just a system there to help stop all these phone calls because they yeah. didn't, maybe they don't understand something. So, and, and I'll I'll talk more on that point too. Right there is that uh, for you being part of my team that I refer out a lot is that I know that your system's already tried, tested. You're constantly improving on them. Constantly, you're not sitting. You're not sitting back just like, hey, we're doing pretty good. Like you're getting, you're busy, and you're finding ways to keep improving, and you keep pushing the envelope for what you can bring to the table for your clients without charging them more. And I feel yes. like that's yeah. the thing is like these these systems you're doing, you're bringing value without adding the cost. And uh, I I do think I will say that too is that um, working on the team uh, Millennium Group has basically you know it's helped me raise my I want to raise my standards up to what the teams are. They have high they have very high standards for what they expect out of me on the as a as a buyer's agent and a teammate, and I love it. I yeah, love the good. accountability and the, and the coaching and stuff. And 
Uh, I think that what's nice is that all that extra you put in yourself, you get to deliver to your clients and they're not paying anything extra to have this exceptional service. And so that's, that's one of the things I'll say for anyone too, that, um, is just looking to, to build their referral network. Just find people that are constantly pushing the envelope and innovating because you're going to have an amazing experience with that too. And then you yourself, you need to constantly be pouring in your own cup and re- like doing educational pieces, reading books, uh, listening to podcasts. Podcasts. And, yep. And, and constantly build yourself up so that way you're, you're, raising the, you're raising the bar on your service which raises the bar on everyone in the real estate industry. Yes. You know, because yes. by having other agents be better and have them co-op better is that the whole industry gets better and we help kind of hedge against the disruptors out there. So, yep, sounds yeah. good. Now, how can people get a hold of you? So, best way is to give me a call. <laughs> okay, what's that number? 614-395-7044. So, that's one of the easiest ways. Um or just uh, shoot me an email, nathanprice at kw.com, and uh, I answer both uh, pretty pretty quickly. So, <laughs> um, and then, or you hop on Facebook, and I do Facebook messaging a lot. A lot of people nowadays are actually preferring text messages and Facebook Messenger versus yes. actually pick up the phone. So, if you don't like to talk, you can call me, or, or you can uh, text me, or Facebook Messenger me. So, I'm on Facebook. Uh, yeah, just reach out or come to some of the networking events that around town. I'm actually going to be doing a, a real estate meetup. Um, I'm not sure where exactly yet, but I can forward you the details too if you want. Okay, and, uh, yeah. Yeah, maybe come out and check it out too. So, Well, we'll, go. well thank you for coming in and, and doing this. This has been good. Yeah, my pleasure. All right, everybody, thank you for listening. If you, you know, leave a review and definitely uh, follow us. Thank you, everybody. Bye-bye. Bye. You've been listening to the Standing Out in Ohio podcast. Be sure to subscribe on Spotify or Google Podcasts to get new, fresh episodes. For more, please follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook, or visit the website of the best Ohio home inspection company at homeinspectionsinohio.com or jimtroff.com. That's J-I-M-T-R-O-T-H, and click on podcast. Until next time, learn and go do stuff. Mm -hmm.